0: Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 61 called Paula. On today's episode, I'm partnering with Circle Surrogacy. Circle is passionate about surrogacy and egg donation and helping people achieve their dreams of parenthood. Circle's team is made up of experienced surrogates, intended parents, and egg donors. In fact, about 40% of their staff has been parents, surrogates, or egg donors, and has experienced IVF or adoption. This year, Circle will celebrate 25 years of making parenthood possible for heterosexual and LGBTQ individuals and couples. During that time, they've helped create more than 1,500 families and bring more than 2,000 babies into the world across the United States and across the globe. Circle is emotionally invested in every single journey and they partner with their surrogates, intended parents and egg donors until they achieve success together their years of experience enable them to support their clients every step of the way and to navigate any bumps in the road with ease. You can learn more at circlesurrogacy.com or by emailing info at circlesurrogacy.com. Thanks circle. On this episode, I'm partnering with the good people at Pacific Fertility Center, which is located in the San Francisco Bay area and has been serving patients for more than 20 years at Pacific Fertility Center, they believe that everyone has the right to create their family in their very own way. They've welcomed more than 10,000 babies through IVF, IUI, and egg donation. And now they're offering free 30-minute virtual consults. So if you want more information, you can check out their Instagram, which is at Pacific Fertility Center. You can email them at info at pacificfertility.com or you can call them at 415-834-3000 to get started today. Thanks, PFC. Okay guys, I'm so excited today to talk to the amazing Paula Rallis, who is an incredible woman who has so much going on. She has a beautiful lifestyle blog, a beautiful home store. She flips houses, does interior design, talks about travel and style, She is a licensed pilot, so we're going to talk about flying planes, too. And mostly, though, what we're going to focus on is her story, which began when she tried to have a baby with her husband. And for about a year, they were unsuccessful. And then she discovered that she had a very rare medical condition where she was born with half of her reproductive system. So it's super interesting And she's going to tell us all about that and how they ended up using a surrogate to have their gorgeous baby girl. So she's super cool and funny, and we had a great conversation. Paula, thank you so much for taking the time. And without further ado, this is Paula's Infertility Story. So Paula,
1: how are Hi. you? I'm doing well. How are you?
0: We'll give away the the ending of your story. You're down there with your husband and your baby girl, mm-hmm. but I know it took a long time to get to where you are with your baby. So can we just start at the beginning? And I always love to ask, you know, when you were growing up, did you always want to be a mom?
1: That's not really something I pictured. Like I always pictured a family, but I wouldn't say it was something I fantasized about. And it kind of just, yes, I always knew I wanted a family, but being like the mom figure, I feel like didn't come until I found my husband. It was something that it was kind of in the back of the mi- my mind and, you know, I'll get to it when we get to it and wasn't mm-hmm. in any sort of rush and never, never thought that I would take the journey that we did. But uh, family was always, yes, in the back of my mind. But yeah, I was not expecting the, the path that I took to right. get there. So tell me how you met your husband. We met, we were very, it was like an early bird special dinner for both of us. My we favorite. Were, <laughs> I love an early bird special. <laughs> you know, and to this day, we still eat at like 5.30. Nice. Um, but we were both eating very early at a restaurant and I was with a girlfriend who was the guy friend and I was walking out and he grabbed my arm and he told me I looked like Caroline from Two Broke Girls and I didn't know who that was and I'd never seen the show. Uh-huh. Uh, at that time, I had very bright blonde hair and bangs, and I can see the resemblance now. So uh, I was like, I don't know who that is, but I'm going to go sing karaoke next door if you would like to come. So I proceeded to rap Nelly, Ride With Me.
0: Yes.
1: you fell in love. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would too. Is that your go-to song?
1: <laughs> for karaoke, for sure. Really? It's either that or Bonnie Raitt, I Can't Make You Love Me. So it's two oh. very, very different
0: But both bring down the house. Those are both excellent choices.
1: So yes, we uh, started dating. We got engaged three months later. We got married six months later. Wow. Yes.
0: So you just knew right away. Did he do any karaoke? No, no, he did not. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's not fair.
1: I know he just watched. Um, Okay, but yeah, this is a very quick relationship. We have both been married before. Uh He is ten years older than me, and we kind of just clicked. And uh, I don't know if we were looking or expecting to find each other, but we did. That's awesome. Um, And yeah, it was wonderful. We got married um, in Greece. We eloped there. Wow. And we knew we wanted to immediately, that's when we really, when I met him, that's when, you know, I started thinking about family and kids and it just, it progressed so fast that I was like, well, of course, we're going to, you know, keep moving on this timeline that we have been and we're going to start a family right away. And he's one of five and he wanted five kids. And Wow. I, in some frame of mind, said okay to that at one point. (laughs) But we, uh, yeah, we started trying to have children and then um, we were unsuccessful for Mm -hmm. about a year. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a little odd. I was 25 at the time and, um, you know, healthy and had never had any abnormalities Mm -hmm. at the doctor's office. My, you know, my periods were normal, everything on the outside and inside, you know. That mm-hmm. I knew of seemed fine, so it it was about a year into it that the doctor mm-hmm. said, "Hey, may, maybe you should go get checked out
0: mm-hmm. and go to like a, a reproductive endocrinologist." Or who did they send you to
1: first? I was with my um, just my regular OB, and she said, "You know, we're we're going to do just the dye test and make sure your tubes are flowing, make sure everything is going the way it should." And right, so that's what we did first, and that was with my normal OB, uh-huh. and. I remember going in and she uh, I wasn't quite prepped for how painful this quick little <laughs> test can be. Yeah. And I just kind of started to cringe and I was like, oh my gosh, I was not expecting this at all. Oh. And I remember them both looking at a screen and kind of nodding their heads and said, okay, you can go. And thinking, well, that was odd. Uh-huh. And were you like, no, what does that mean? I was like, what is that? Yeah, exactly. It was like, there wasn't really, wasn't like a, an answer there. And I, I remember walking out thinking, okay, well, I guess they're going to send me test results or still very confused as to what I just did in the whole uh-huh. process. And from there, I still had not been told test results. They just sent me off to a fertility center at that point. Okay. And what they, were you thinking? Were you freaking I? Like, out? I, I, I just didn't I guess I, they, I, the test itself wasn't clearly explained to me. And it wasn't the point that, you know, in the infertility journey, when you start Googling things, I wasn't there yet. Right. When you really try to like dive deep and say, okay, what's going on with me? I wasn't mentally, I was still very naive in this process. I didn't, it hadn't clicked like, okay, next step is the fertility doctor. What did that test say to make you sit? I wasn't asking the right questions yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was just Same. going along
1: I with, I had no right. idea. So I started, you know, I went to the new fertility doctor and we started doing the blood tests and, you know, everything else. And I think it was like appointment three that I finally sat down with the doctor and he was like, what do you mean they haven't told you what's wrong with you? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. He's like, you didn't, like, you didn't sit down with your OB and her tell you the results of that test. I was like, no, mm-hmm. this is the first time I've been told there are results to that mm-hmm. test. And he basically explained to me um, that I had a unicorn unit uterus. Okay. I was born with half my reproductive system. Wow. So I have one fallopian tube, one ovary, and half of the uterus. Wow. He said, your condition's pretty rare, but there are women who have been able to get pregnant with your condition. Usually they can only carry up to about 30 weeks, but you know there have been rare cases where they carry full term and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. So, so that was the first you had ever heard of that in your entire life. Yeah. First time I'd ever heard of it. Um, First time I knew I had it. And I just was like, how does that even make sense? If I only have half, how am I having a period every month? Mm -hmm. How does that, like, how have I never like been irregular? Like, I don't understand how if I only have half, how am I still working every month?
0: Yeah. Were they able to explain that to you?
1: That still has not been explained. So many things okay. have still not been explained to me. Right, right. Yeah, but basically, I, I was born with half. Um, they're pretty sure I only have one kidney, and yeah, I was just born that way.
0: Wow. Okay. So, how did you feel when you heard that?
1: I was. I still didn't quite. I still had hope. I was like, okay, well, you know, but you said women have done this, and. It's relatively normal and to, for women with my condition to still get pregnant and have normal babies. So I was still kind of hopeful in that process. And we kind of set up a game plan of, I then understood, okay, well, I only have half. So it probably takes me, I could probably only get pregnant half as often as, a, as the woman with everything mm-hmm. in my head. So we kind of came up with a game plan. They decided to start with IUI. Mm-hmm. And we prepped my body for IUI and we did two of those. Mm-hmm. And both of those were unsuccessful.
0: Mm-hmm. Same and then we with took a, yeah.
1: Yeah, we kind of took a break for a minute and we we're like, okay, we need to like, you know, get a mental game plan together before we move on to the more aggressive IVF. Mm-hmm. So we thought about it for a while and we we're like, okay, we don't know if really sitting here thinking about it is going to do anything. You know, we had not, it, at no point had we, you know, stopped trying to get pregnant right. we had never prevented pregnancy and it's still you know we are now a year and a half into it mm-hmm. and nothing still nothing had happened mm-hmm. so we decided to move forward IVF was a pretty tough process for me probably another stage that really wasn't fully explained to me mm-hmm. um, of what it was going to feel like what it was going to do to my body and I feel like that has been consistent with a lot of my friends and um acquaintances that I've have, that have met that have gone through IVF. It's kind mm-hmm. of a, a mix of, yeah, it was fine and it was annoying, but I got through it. And other girls that are like, oh my gosh, like that was a lot for mm-hmm. my body. Yeah. And I was so more what on was, that side.
0: What was going on with you specifically? Did you like not react well to the meds or like?
1: It took my body so much more medication to actually do something. Mm. Okay my body would not move and not move and not move. So to prep my body took an additional two weeks Mm. and an additional two weeks of medication and shots. Wow. And it was, I kept going to the doctor and they're like, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Uh And they kept just pushing my body to the point where they finally said, okay, now we can go through with the surgery. Okay. So I was just undergoing a lot more of that medication and I'm not good with needles and I overcame Overcame that for the most part until one night. I remember I was like, this was needle like 102. Oh my God. And I just had a freak out. I was like, I can't do it. Why can I not do this? And I like just completely freaked myself out. I had to drink an entire glass of wine to finally. (laughs) Nice. Get the courage to do it, and I was like. I thought you were going to say
0: water, but I was like, I hope she says wine.
1: (laughs) Yes, I had to. I had to. Like, I almost had to phone a friend, but I. I remember because my husband was like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to help you with that. I'll do the shots. Not a problem." He watched me do the first one. I got it in. He walked away, and he said, "I can never do that. I can't even watch you do it." Yeah. So (laughs) I knew that he wasn't going to be able to help. I almost phoned a friend, but I just I drank a glass of wine and I said, "I'm going to do this."
0: Yes. Oh my god.
1: So it did take a long time to prep my body. And then, you know, surgery in my head, it was going to be surgery. And then this feeling like there's a watermelon inside of me will go Mm -hmm. away because they're taking all the eggs out and then I'll feel better. Right. And that's not the case. Uh And nobody told me that. Uh I went home and probably felt worse than I did before the surgery and felt like the watermelon was still there.
0: Uh huh. So Um, the surgery being the retrieval?
1: Yeah, the retrieval. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what did they what did they get? Like what
0: happened when they how many eggs they got
1: and- um they got nineteen eggs. Uh-huh. And then twelve fertilized. And once they sent them off, we got them tested. Five came back that were normal. And so five embryos. Five embryos. We froze yeah. five. Okay. But yeah, I they I remember them sending me home with pain pills and um, they're like, if you need them, like here they are. And I remember taking every single one and not being able to sit up on my own until like day seven.
0: Yes. Wow. Well, your body had been through so much.
1: It, but the, I feel like that wasn't fully explained. Like I remember that right. like two days later was Halloween. I was like, yeah, we're going to go out for Halloween. And then that day came and I was like, forget that. Yeah. Like, I can't even, I'm rolling out of the bed right now oh, man. to get up to go pee. Yeah. yeah. But I know that there are some girls that are like, yeah, I never even took them. I was fine. Yeah. And I just feel like it's different for everyone. And I, I was not prepared for the toll it took on my body. Right.
0: Well, I think that's one of the good reasons, you know, one of the reasons I'm really glad that you're doing this and that, you know, all these people tell their stories on this podcast because someone might be listening to this and be like, oh, I had no idea that could be a thing. And then they advocate and you know, ask their doctor some more questions. So you're helping people by sharing that. Cause I was pretty clueless too. I didn't know anything about anything. I was just like, what Sh- shots? Okay, cool.
1: Right. And they're like, okay, this is how I do it. Great. So um, can
0: I ask what was, how was it for you guys? Like emotionally, like, did it have any effect on your relationship? You know, you've got, you've been going through this for what, over a year and a half at this point. Correct. Did you, were there any points where you had like a breakdown or like, there really were, I think there were
1: breakdowns in like decision-making of mm-hmm. the turning point from IUI to IVF. It, it was just like trying to sit down and saying, okay, like what what, does what this journey look like for us? What does this even mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like what is God trying to show us in all of this? And it was just, it was a lot of breaking points in, are we doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Are we making the right decision? Are we pushing something that's not supposed to happen right now? So it was breaking through those barriers. And I got to the point where, you know, it was a bad breaking point where I was like, maybe I'm just not supposed to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And my friend who was going through the same thing as me grabbed my shoulders and said, you would not even want to be a mom. Like Like that would not have even been put on your heart if you're not supposed to be a mom. Mhm. And that was like okay, that was a reassurance of I should keep pushing forward and right. I like I this was put on my heart for a reason mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have the desire to be mom if I wasn't supposed to be.
0: Right. Okay, yeah. So
1: that just like kept me pushing and um and moving forward with everything and not giving up on yeah. my body or giving up on what was happening. And another friend said, you know, it's even even if you know, baby aside, there's something medically wrong with your body. And you have the right to figure out what that is Mm -hmm. and to keep pursuing, you know, answers and trying to figure out these issues. And, you know, I thought about it that way as well. It was like, she's right. Like there, my body can't do something that, you know, biologically it's supposed to be able to do. Yeah. um, And I should be able to explore that and figure out why that is.
0: Right. Yeah. Um,
1: So we definitely had moments of, yeah, are we doing the right thing? Are we trying to push something that isn't for us? Right. Um, but it we continued the, on.
0: I think the doubt and the uncertainty sometimes too is like it's so hard because you're just I remember thinking like, I just want someone to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing because I'm not yeah. sure. Like, you know, the making these hard decisions, these big decisions is so daunting. And I literally remember being like, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Like there's really no right, like no one that can tell me if this is the right answer. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of infertility. Aside from all the physical stuff, it's like those mental moments where you're like, is this, am I like pushing something that shouldn't be happening? Like, am I tempting fate or like twist, you know, like.
1: Right. Because all of this is very, you know in the sense it's very unnatural in the order and the way it happens. So you're like, this just, it, it feels, you you question everything as you should, because there's so much going on with your body. And yeah, we definitely had some, some breakdown moments. I can say overall the whole entire process made us closer um, as a couple than we have ever been. That's good. And it's really challenged us. And uh we've been able to stand by other couples going through this and hold their hands and watch them have babies long before we ever did.
0: Mm, mm -hmm. And,
1: um, I remember one of the girls that was going through it with us, she ended up getting pregnant about a year and a half before, before we did. And Mm -hmm. that was kind of, you know, couple number 10 who, you know, beat us to that finish line. And Ron looked at me and said, you know what? I'm glad it's them and not us because they were at their breaking point and Mm -hmm. we can take more. Oh, wow. And that was like, I was so proud of my husband in that moment mm-hmm. for him to be, because I know he's wanted this more than anyone. Yeah. Um, oh, for I him to that. be able to say, like, we can take it. And they were at their breaking point and I'm proud to be there for them. And I'm happy to be there for them and celebrate oh, with them. Ron. So, yeah. That was, <laughs> what a that good was guy. Incredible. Yeah. I was so just incredibly humbled and proud and um, yes. that he could see, you know, this is our role. This is... This is why we're going through this is to stand by them.
0: Wow. That's great. And we can handle it. Yeah. So tell Um, me what happened next. So this is around Halloween and tell me the next, next step. So
1: I, um, they, they told me I could not do fresh embryo transfer. I would have to do frozen because my body was going to take longer to recover after the retrieval. I was like, okay, so, you know, what does that mean? Like a week? And they're like, no, it means like a month to a month Mm -hmm. and a half. So, I finally did a transfer in January. Okay. And what year was this? This was, let's see, uh, this was 2017. Okay. I did a transfer in January mm-hmm. and it was unsuccessful.
0: Mm.
1: We um, then went back to our fertility doctor to kind of, you know, go over everything and have a recap. And he basically looked at me and said, I don't feel comfortable. Doing this again
0: mm-hmm.
1: until two things happen. He said, I want you to do a biopsy on your uterus. And we want to do this experimental treatment on you, where basically we're going to shoot chemotherapy drugs into your uterus. Whoa. To try to thicken your wall. Mm-hmm. And I I was like, um, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You wanna you wanna shoot what, where? Yeah. And that was pretty much their answer. And they were like, there's some, you know, there's some research around it that had, you know, this was, I think after the transfer and then we came back to the doctor, it was months before, like a few months before that test results had come out where this had been successful on a few people Mm -hmm. and that I was, it got to the point where I felt like a test monkey.
0: Yeah, And I knew that I was
1: an unusual case. I knew that my condition was rare. And I felt honestly like they were looking for a success story out of me
0: mm
1: -hmm. and not my best interest. Mm -hmm. So that's when I finally said, I have to walk away from this. I don't feel comfortable anymore.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I don't feel like your bedside manner is there at, at all. I don't think it's present. And I don't feel like I've been, you've explored options that are best for my body and for mm-hmm. my embryos. Good for you. So we walked away from that fertility center. Um, wow. And we uh, it took us a while to kind of, again, we we're in that period of what's next. What do we do? What path is for us? Within this time period, um, around probably around, I want to say April, I went to Mexico with a friend. Mm-hmm came back and had that question of when was my last period? Mm. And I took a pregnancy test and I was pregnant.
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah. And uh how did that not, feel? It, it was it felt incredible. And I, you know, I jumped to the the conclusion of, oh my gosh, this is, you know, this is why it didn't work and this is why, you know, it wasn't meant to be that the transfer happened because so I was gonna get pregnant. And um We were so excited and I told Ron right away and he had, you know, tears streaming down his face and it was just an incredible moment. And I went in back to that fertility center and they did all the blood work on me and like I could hear them around the office going, you'll never guess who's pregnant. Mm. And they had like a team meeting that morning and the doctors told me, they were like, we, we can't believe it. Wow. So I kept going back to the doctor, kept getting blood work done. I ended up miscarrying around eight weeks. Oh,
0: I'm so sorry, Paula.
1: It's, it's you know it's um it yeah it was a life changing moment it was something that i never thought i would experience mm-hmm. on top of all of this so it again it took us a while to bounce back from that mm-hmm. and take you know another long break and just Try to figure out what was next for us. Meanwhile, I was doing a lot of things personally. I decided to go back to school. I ended up getting my pilot's license.
0: I saw that on your website. Wait, <laughs> can we talk about that for a minute? Yes.
1: What? That's amazing. We, was that uh, something you always wanted to do? No. Funny enough, we got stuck in the Hamptons. <laughs> And there was a series don't you hate of- hate when that happens? Don't you hate when you get stuck in the Hamptons? There was a series of, I don't remember, random thunderstorms or there was some, or maybe it was a hurricane. There was something that happened and we were stuck. And we were in the, we came from the Hamptons, we were in the city and our flight was the last one to get canceled out of JFK. And we had um, a very important court date that we could not miss mm-hmm. and- we were calling airlines and no one could get us home for three days. Okay. We st- we stood in rental car lines. Every rental car at JFK, LaGuardia, all of the the, the airports were sold out. Oh, wow. It got to the point where I heard people were headed south and I asked if I could pay for the rental car and get in the car with them. Right. <laughs> and they looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, okay, we got to abort that mission. I looked into buses. I looked into trains. And I got oh, to the point God. where I said, oh my gosh, who do we know that has a private plane? Yeah. We've got to get home. Um, So we finally found a friend that he sent his plane up to get us and brought us home. And I was like, that was such an end of the world situation. And I never want to be put in it again. I was like, forget it. I'm getting my pilot's license.
0: Oh my God. (laughs) I love that that's your (laughs) takeaway from that situation. I was
1: like, I never want to feel like I'm stuck and I can't, and I, I get very angry when I don't know things or I don't know how to do things. Right. And I was like, I'm pissed that I don't know how to fly a plane. And I can't jump in a plane and know how to fly it.
0: That's incredible.
1: So I decided to get my pilot's license. So yeah, I, I got got that. Um, I decided to go back to school and get my master's degree. So I was um, doing that as well. Master's what? Journalism. Oh, Wow. So I was doing that. Ron and I were flipping houses and and doing real estate that we do um, day to day. Mm -hmm. And it was just a busy time for us. And we kind of got a lot going on. Yeah. It just took our our minds off of it for a little while. And, but it was always looming in the back. And, you know, we had four embryos left in the freezer and we said, okay, you know, it's probably time to... To make a decision. So, um, actually, for one of my papers, I wrote it on on infertility and used to quote from Circle Surrogacy in, okay. located in Boston. And so, when Ron and I were talking, and in our heads, we kind of originally at the fertility center, they said, "You know, there's always surrogacy, but that's a down the road decision." Well, that down the road decision moved up very quickly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, when Ron and I were discussing it, I was like, "Well, I actually know of." know of a surrogacy agency. So we reached out to Circle and had a great conversation with their president.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And um, Sam is awesome and has been through the whole process himself and felt very comfortable with them and loved that they're in Boston because I was going up there all the time anyways for school. And it it was just a good fit and it was a good match for us. And so we decided to sign up with them and, and start this surrogacy journey,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not knowing what to expect, and um, you know, I we kind of we thought about maybe using someone we know, but my sister struggled in her pregnancy. I had another sister that had a miscarriage, and I had one sister that wasn't even married yet, and I could not even do that to her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, we had exhausted the family options, right? <laughs> and uh, we decided to to move forward with Circle, and there was there was a wait, as expected, to kind of. be interviewing surrogates. And meanwhile, we just put a profile about us and who we were in and Mm -hmm. um, hoped for the best. Mm -hmm. And uh, about four or five months later, we got an email saying, Hey, there's, you know, a candidate that we want you to to take a look at. And it's kind of like a dating situation. You know, you look at theirs, they look at yours. You both have to agree if you want to chat. Right. And we got a profile for a woman named Debbie who lived in Indiana Mm-hmm. And we just got such an amazing feeling reading her profile and seeing photos of her family. Mm-hmm. And um it was just immediately we we emailed Circle back and said, Yes, we want, we want to meet Debbie. We want to talk with her. Wow. And we FaceTimed with her and her husband and her kids. Mm-hmm. And I don't oh, wow. think that what there was, was that like? it was it was just like there was another um girl that I'd met that had done surrogacy as well. And um I I said, how, she's like, do you have any questions? Because at that point we had decided to do it. And I was like, I don't, how did you pick? Like, how did you pick someone to carry your child? Right. She said, well, when I met her, I literally said out loud, it's you. (laughs) Oh. She's like, I had always pictured like who would be and what she would look like and where she would live. And I didn't know, same as you, I didn't know like how I would pick. And when I saw her face, I out loud said, it's you. Like, I knew. Oh my God. And I felt so comfortable. And that's how I felt with Debbie. And Ron and I, like, both didn't even really have to discuss it. We didn't have any further questions. We mm-hmm. we both knew when we got off the phone that that was it, that, that mm-hmm. she was going to be our surrogate. And we had mm-hmm. just such an overwhelming warmth from her,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, knowing that she truly was doing this too. That was kind of another uh, misconception that we had about surrogates, is, you know, these are people that need the money. And, um, you know, we're just doing this because it's a way to get said money. Mm-hmm. Um, but Debbie said, you know, there were. she works at a hospital. She's like, there were nurses on my floor that were surrogates. And she's like, I always felt like there was something missing from my life and that, you know, I could do more. And pregnancy was always easy for me. And I loved being pregnant. And she's when I saw all these nurses, she was like, that's something I can do. And she truly wanted to help. And it was such just a great feeling, her connecting with us and saying, you know, I can help you. I'm willing to help you. Right. And I want to do it because it makes me feel like I'm doing something special. And she truly is. I don't care how much you pay surrogates. gets giving up their their body for someone else is truly selfless. Absolutely.
0: Had she done it before, Apollo, or was would this be her first time with you?
1: She had done it twice before. Okay. Um, for the same couple. And then mm-hmm. this was her first time with us. Right. Um, So she had, that other couple was the only time she had done it before. She she was an experienced surrogate. Wow. Um, So this would have been one, two, three, four, five, pregnancy number six for her.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: So yeah, we, uh, immediately just loved her and it was so funny that we had actually um, gone to get a puppy that and we picked the dog up 30 minutes from where she lived. What? So when we went to meet her, we said hey to her and we picked up a dog. Oh my god, that's crazy. It was insane. Mm-hmm. Um so it was that yeah, both of our babies are from Indiana. Um Okay. But at this yeah, at this point we had asked Circle. We we're like, "Hey, you know, we don't really love our fertility center. We'd like to make a change. And maybe, you know, a fertility center that works with surrogates more often. Yes. Um, Is that a thing? And they were like, absolutely. They gave us a few names of doctors and actually other intended parents that had used Circle that had also used these fertility centers. Great. Which was very helpful. So they recommended um, Dr. Danny Schmond, who works for San Diego Fertility Center. And they had us speak with a couple who had gone through Ceresy that live in Las Vegas. Same thing. We had a lovely conversation with this couple. Turns out they go um, they go to our brother in law's church in Las Vegas. What? (laughs) So they knew his family, and it was just crazy. And they were like, "Oh my gosh, we love Dr. Danny Schmond and he's so great." And so um, we decided to we did like a quick phone interview with him and. We decided to transport our embryos to San Diego, which is frightening. Mm-hmm. And so, another thing that I never thought I'd be doing.
0: Right. Cause he was, was San Diego based.
1: Yes. He's San Diego Bay. So I was shipping my embryos from South Carolina to California. Wait, couldn't you fly them though? (laughs) Yourself? (laughs) I thought about that and I was like, "Ooh, do I want that responsibility? (laughs) Uh, Sorry, not to make light of the situation. I "I don't know. We definitely thought about that. Yeah. Definitely did. But we decided to leave it to the professionals. Sure. Um, But that's something that we never considered. And we're like, what if something happens to them? Totally. Because the insurance for... (laughs) said transportation only goes up to, I believe I could be, it's either 5,000 or 10,000 is all that they will cover. Whoa. If something happens. And at this point we were roughly a hundred grand into this, maybe more, Mm -hmm. maybe 200 at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're like, wow, that doesn't even That doesn't even even cover cover part of it.
0: Not even Um, a drop in the bucket. Not even a drop. But it was the
1: only. It was the only insurance company that offers this type of insurance. It was our only option. So we said, okay, well, I guess we have to just do this one and pray that nothing happens. Yeah. So um, So they they, arrive. uh, Sorry. So let me ask
0: some. (laughs) Sorry, I have a logistical question. So yeah. does it happen on like a commercial plane or was it it does, car happen on a, or?
1: it does happen on a commercial plane and they, okay. they get it there within 24 hours okay so yeah oh, that was I, nerve-wracking I, oh my gosh you have no like you have no idea yeah how like I was just waiting on San Diego to call me and say they're here right and then they check them and make sure there was no you know leak or anything that right. happened to the container yeah and they arrived fine but it was a very nerve-wracking 24 hours of course.
0: See, that's one of those things and I'm so glad you're telling us about this because that's one of those details that going into this, you have no idea that's even gonna be a thing, right? Like it's exactly like,
1: like I, I remember on the news during uh, one of the hurricanes that came through Florida one of the the fertility doctors stayed with all of the embryos oh yeah to make sure nothing happened to the embryos yeah. like those are things you don't think about like natural disasters coming through and destroying right. embryos yes. like how devastating and heartbreaking absolutely and, these, like, and transporting your embryos unfortunately yeah. might be something that you have to do at some point I was, I was prepared for the worst and I'm just so thankful that they made it. Um,
0: Yeah. Thank God. San
1: Diego confirmed that they were great. And, and then we all flew out to San Diego for a transfer. Wow. And we met Debbie for the first time in San Diego.
0: Oh my gosh. Uh, What was that
1: like? It was so great. And I felt like I already knew her Yeah, and it was just awesome to, you know, have her and her husband there. Mm -hmm. Um. And she she uh, she all, she brought us all matching socks for the transfer.
0: <laughs> Cute. Which was
1: the cutest. And Dr. Danny Schwan was so great. And uh, he said, you know, everything went perfectly. We transferred a baby boy at that point.
0: Did you guys decide the gender or was it just like we the did. healthiest? Okay.
1: We did decide the gender at that point. And that transfer was unsuccessful. Oof. So that was embryo number two that had been unsuccessful. And at that point... San Diego questioned whether our embryos were good. Oh wow! Because everything had gone so perfectly, right? Oh, and oh, uh, so sorry. And like whether they had been, you know, thawed and pro- dethawed improperly. Whether they had been frozen improperly, but so- they thought that something, you know, he said, "We want to do one more. If the next one is unsuccessful, we think we're going to just have to destroy this batch of embryos."
0: Oh my god
1: and start over. And that was a heartbreaking moment for me because yes. I, again, I never considered having to do this more than once.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we all, you know, again, we kind of recovered from that moment, prepped for another transfer.
0: Right. How long did you have to wait between transfers?
1: I believe it was um, it was a little over a month oh because God. we had to wait and then she had to prep. Debbie had to prep for a month Yeah. and then we had to get her out to San Diego. So I want to say it was about a month and a half between transfers. Yeah. And, um, so we, uh, we were, uh, in between travel. So we did not go the second time with her to San Diego and we were Mm -hmm. just, you know, on the phone and waiting for, you know, good news from Dr. D and, uh, we transferred a baby girl Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and, you know, did the dreaded waiting period. And yes, it's the worst. Yes. (laughs) Ron and I were, um, coming back from out of the country And the plane touched down in Atlanta and we turned our phones back on. And all I had ever gotten were phone calls because all the news I'd ever gotten was bad. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know when it was good news that they send emails. Mm. So I opened my email unexpected and I just started bawling.
0: Mm.
1: And Ron was like, what's going on? I was like, Debbie's actually pregnant. And he started crying. He's like, Why'd you open that email without me? I was like, I didn't know it was going to be an email. That <laughs> oh, yeah, little warning, guys. No. And yeah. we both just started bawling. And, and you're on the plane. Everyone is staring at us. I was like, Everyone thinks we're probably runaways. And we just landed in America and we're like celebrating, and Customs is about to come after us so hard. <laughs> And we were like all the way through customs, we were just like crying. And I posted it to Instagram immediately. Like this entire time I had been documenting my infertility journey and updating followers with right. like within moments of us learning heartbreak, we would we would show them what we were going through. And I felt like that was really important the entire time.
0: Yeah. Were you getting of, a lot of... Are,
1: I was getting so much feedback yeah. of, to this day, I get feedback of women that I was, besides their husbands, I was the only person that knew that they were going through infertility treatments. Wow. And that broke my heart. Yeah. And so I wanted everyone to see this is what it's like. This is what heartbreak feels like. This Mm -hmm. is the struggle. This is Mm -hmm. the journey that so many people around you are going through and you have no idea.
0: Yeah. That's so this great. This is that what you your
1: daughter, your sister, your cousin, your best friend. This is what they could be facing. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just stop the questions of when are you guys going to have kids, or just the just the misconceptions that are out there. I wanted people to see what this journey looked like, even though it's ugly sometimes. Yeah, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as we landed, I I I had not called my mother. I had not. I, I hadn't called I had not texted anybody. I just posted it to Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, you know, I'm so sorry, everyone, we're just too excited. This is our you know th- this is and I, I knew it was early and I knew things that, that things could happen. but I, I needed any little bit of celebration at that point. Yeah, any cool. little bit of victory I had to share. I had to show and I needed people to jump up and down with me because at that point, we were four years in. And it was rough. And like any, I was like, I don't care if she's praying for an hour. I don't care. I'm not right. waiting. I'm yeah. going to tell people right now that there's a possibility. Yeah. So people know how how to pray for me, how to think about me, how to celebrate with us or cry with us. And I just, it was a burden I couldn't carry any longer when I started telling people and I just needed community around it.
0: Yep. I totally knew so that. So
1: we posted it. People were calling us in costumes. You're not supposed to be on your phone in costumes. It was... <laughs> <laughs> they looked at me like 17 times. I was like, I don't care. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we uh we posted it and then um it was we were celebrating and then we had, you know, another realistic moment of we flew to Indiana for um her appointment to hopefully hear a heartbeat. Yeah. And that was another moment and I think that that was a moment that Ron had was a point that he was a little um uneducated. Like me, most of the time, mm-hmm. um, we got there, and you know the excitement was still high. And he was like, "Wait, what do you mean there might not be a heartbeat?" I was right. like, "Well, we have to confirm that you know that she's in there, she's she's kicking."
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And so I think he had a moment of, "Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that that was a possibility." Or yes, you know, I think that was kind of brought him down. And so we went back, and we were just standing there, kind of waiting on something. And as soon as it came over the speaker. I remember Ron goes, oh my God, and just starts bawling. Oh. <laughs> and I wish I had videotaped it, but it yes. was just, it was such a pure moment of relief for him. Yeah, totally. And, you know, it's, this is just as hard on, on the men as it is on us, even Absolutely. though it's our bodies, it's they're you know, they're picking us up through all of this. They're supporting us through all of this. And mm-hmm. sometimes they don't get to grieve like we do because they're picking us up. And it was just such a moment of I just watched his shoulders go down and he's like, oh my gosh, I can breathe. And there's like maybe, maybe an end to this tunnel Mm. that has been so unfortunately long. Yeah. And it just from there it just continued and you know we still we still had that thought in the back of our heads of, you know something might happen. Let's not. And I I think I had that on my heart more than I knew, and I couldn't let go of that more than I knew. Like even to the point where Debbie delivered, I was like, something could happen. Something could happen. Sure. Um, yeah. And I think I had that feeling up until Sterling was maybe a month or two old yeah. of something's going, this isn't, this can't be like, this can't be real. This can't actually now be happening. Right. Um, and it took a really long time for me to shake that. But mm-hmm. we had a, a successful pregnancy. We were both in the room when Debbie delivered. We stood yes. at either, either shoulder her husband was in the room as well. And it was just, it was just unimaginable of this journey that we've been through to, to come to finally a a finish line. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. The moment she was born, you must've just been in another. We just lost it. I just,
1: I mean, I, I just can't even, I was just it, there are no words yeah. of her coming out and just actually seeing her face and knowing that she was ours. And yep. then getting her home from Indiana was a whole nother, <laughs> a whole <Yeah>. nother
0: journey. <laughs> what did, it, how did that work out logistically? Did you have to stay there for a while?
1: We stayed uh, for two days and then they released us. And mm-hmm. it's, that's another um, thing I wasn't really prepared for is, you know, we went to Indiana. We actually, Debbie was a week late. So we were in Indiana for a week and, um, We just kind of hung out, went Mm -hmm. to the movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was a little daunting in the hospital after all of this with a newborn. And I wanted more than anything for someone I knew to walk through the door. Mm -hmm. And I knew that wasn't going to happen. And that was a little hard for me because I knew that, you know, timing was going to be off. Getting family out there was going to be super hard. Right. Um, So I just said, you know what? It's just going to be Ron and I, and we'll see you guys when we get home. Yeah. But I didn't realize how that was going to affect me on top right. of not sleeping for like three days.
0: Right. Because um, it sounds like, did she have a natural birth, not a C-section? Correct. Okay. So you weren't able to plan it, like you're saying. Correct. Got it.
1: Yes. And then we actually, um, we got, you know, opinions from a lot of different friends, a lot of different doctors, and we uh, we flew home. We flew commercial home. Okay. And we uh, we drove an hour and a half to the airport we uh, had a layover in Atlanta and finally got home to Charleston around 9 p.m. Uh-huh. And coming over the Charleston Bridge, I was uh- like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm home and with a baby. I just got the chills. (laughs) Like I Navy sealed that child through those airports. And I was like, I think I was like sweating bullets until the moment she was the champ, did not cry once.
0: Oh my God.
1: Through to it. Like I was, but I finally got home and I was like, oh my God, I can breathe. Yes. Um, And it was just an incredible moment of just feeling like you're on top of the world and like you just conquered all. When you get a 38 hour baby home. Right. Um, right. And it was, it was just insane. And just bringing her home was so crazy. And knowing that, you know, after five years, you were finally to a, to a finish line. So that was, yeah, she was, and they did for Sterling, they did unfreeze our remaining three embryos to pick the strongest. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know they could do that. And I mm-hmm. asked just, Thinking, I wonder if they can. Right. And they said, actually, we were going to suggest that.
0: Yeah. And then do they refreeze the other ones?
1: They refreeze. And there's a possibility that they can't. There's a possibility always that the embryos won't make it, but they did refreeze the other two females. Uh-huh. So we still have two embryos oh. waiting and we are currently searching for our next surrogate. Debbie is unfortunately retired.
0: Oh, well, wow. Debbie, what an amazing woman.
1: As much as we begged, she is retired. <laughs> <laughs> we loved her so much. So yes. we are now um, on circle surrogacy round two searching wow. for a surrogate. Um, oh my gosh. And I actually, unfortunately, went through another miscarriage last weekend. Oh, no, Paula. I'm so So, sorry. So we are, you know, always um, just, it's been a huge up and down to even like process or cover everything that we've been through. But I think overall, it's just, we would not trade this journey for anything. Yeah. Because of how much we've grown, because of, um, I did my entire capstone for, for grad school on infertility. Mm-hmm. And I think at this point, I've talked or interviewed probably over a thousand women. Wow. I would not yeah. trade that for anything. I've, yep. I have so many friendships. I have so many relationships that I would not have had if I had not been through this. Um, right. It's been an honor to stand next to so many women for the five years that I have and continue to stand next to them mm-hmm. and fight for them. And um, it's just, it's been an experience that I, it's made me who I am. Yeah it's made me a stronger mom and a stronger wife and a much stronger woman. And I just, I know that everything that we continue to go through is absolutely for a reason. And it's not in vain. And I'm just, I'm thankful for all of this pain, all of these valleys, because it's, we've come out just completely different people.
0: Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Paula. And Paula, thanks again for sharing all of that. That was so fun and interesting and great to talk to you. So guys, definitely check out her website, paularellis.com. And I also wanted to tell you that in exciting news, I've become an ambassador for BetterHelp, which is an incredible online therapy counseling space so if you are feeling like you want to talk to somebody if you're having a hard time definitely check them out and you can go to try better help which is h-e-l-p dot com and if you use my code which is backslash infertile af you will get 10 percent off your membership So DM me or email me if you have any questions about them. They're really great. So thank you so much. I hope you guys are feeling good and I will talk to you next time.